ninja warrior, former NRL player. Genuine, all-round good guy. Who's going to give us a, firstly, going to kick it off with a Fijian lesson for us in pronunciation. Welcome to the podcast, Salani. Kick us off with a little lesson about Fijian pronunciation. All right, Fijian pronunciation. Hi all. Sorry, I started to jump the gun there. Hi all. Um, great to be here, mate. Thanks for having me on. Um, Fijian pronunciation. So my name is Eloni Vunakeve. Uh, easiest way to pronounce Fijian names is chunkier, chunky letters up. Consonant in your vowels, and they all roll off the tongue really well. So, for example, my name is Eloni Vunakeve. Um, don't try and do big, big blocks. Like it's just simplified down to just blocks of Lots of two letters, consonant vowel. So, vu, na, ke, ve. In uh, Fijian, a C is a T, H. There's a couple of different other variations which we can get through at, at another time. But um, phonics, Fijian phonics for the day, C is a T, H. So, that's uh, where you can correct my name if you feel like you're stuffing up in your head. But, yeah, thanks for having me on, mate. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to sharing some of my, I don't know, what I do. Um, all around just clown, I guess. Just, I like adding to the party tricks uh, that I've, had and I've learned a lot with being in the Real Movement crew and, yeah, looking forward to upskilling those and sharing some of that with everyone today. Yeah, cool, man. Oh, yeah. What other pronunciations have you had? Like, what's the best one or the worst one, I guess, uh, as far as coaches or, you know, random bosses or people that have pronounced your name at school or whatever? What's the, what's the worst or the best? Uh, I'm Casey, which is what, what I always used to get. Um, yeah. On TV and stuff. Um, oh, actually, no, Willie Manu always used to call me Aloni Vinagiz because um, his daughter just, for some reason, just, she heard, she, their, their game must have been on TV, our game must have been on TV at home. And the way that the, this um, commentator just kept saying it was Aloni Vinagiz. And then she made it into this little song. So every time Willie Manu saw me, he started singing the song to me, Aloni Vinagiz, Aloni Vinagiz. Um, high school was like, Weird in a way because I mean, no one would even try. Man, it was just like, oh, Elonim, just that's it. so zero effort put in there. But so I'm, I'm used to it, which is I know it's all the sort of rage everyone's blowing up about a bit at the moment. But um, you know, I'm not jumping on that bandwagon. Hey, it's um, <coughs> someone's name. Like, if someone tried to speak French, if, if I was French and I heard someone try to attempt French, I wouldn't think they're racist or assuming like that. I think it was sort of. Yeah, blown a bit out of proportion, but yeah, there's the lesson is Vuna Kev C is a TH, so just yeah, try cool, it for man. me, just try that's enough. <laughs> yeah, that's um that's something I've I found over my career as well, working with a lot of Fijian, but more so Samoan and Tongan guys, that they appreciate you just trying to get their, their name correct, even though it's sort of outside of um the names that I grew up with, you know, around school and but I've found just asking them sometimes as well, hey. Hey, how would you like me to say your name? Goes a long way into building that that relationship, and they know that yeah, you know, you consider it of a different kind of upbringing, a different culture, and um, it's a really easy way to connect with someone, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. Man, the the main question I think we have to and let's just answer that straight away. What goes into those smoothies in the morning? <laughs> so the Thanos, uh, based on the Marvel comic book character, I, I originally called it the Thing Shake. Young kid, James Sperling, I was training down at Bondi when I was still with the Roosters. He said, mate, you, your shake's purple. You've got to call it Thanos. It was at the time when the Infinity War 
uh, series was on, the, the whole the Avengers movies were on, and Thanos is the big bad guy, big and overwhelming, overpowering bad guy. So it was, it's, it's purple. Um, that's that's the reason why it is. I, I chuck in a heap of blueberries in there. Um, they turn the whole thing purple. What's in it is uh, just basically a big. Like, there's a shitload of. Pro- I put in just whey protein in there. It's, um, sort of the base, and then I'll just chuck in a heap of nuts and seeds, of which I found some sort of benefit somewhere along the way. So there's a, there's a reason why they're in there. I don't just throw them in there. It's usually just me tinkering with what I find. So any, I guess any health benefit I find from foods like that, I say to myself, well, let's try it and see what happens. And where it is currently is could, it could always be better, but for me, it's what I need. I, I, I lose weight really, really easy. Um, I think at max capacity, it's about 2,500 calories. So that's a big chunk for, for me. But for most people, I know they, they probably couldn't tolerate that. That's a, that's a day's worth of food in, in one meal. Um, for me, though, I, I still manage to lose weight off the back of that. I'm very, very active. I love my training. My job's very physical. Um, my days are pretty long too, so I'm, I'm active and burning a lot, a lot of calories. So for me, that's a step to holding my weight. I feel more comfortable at a heavier weight. Um, it allows me to be stronger too. So, yeah, Thanos is, is, the, is the shake and that's its job, keep me heavy. Yeah, man, that, they're epic-looking things that you're, you're chucking in there. Has, has nutrition always been a big thing for you? Like, or has it been, you know, your footage you had to be um, keeping your weight on or, you know, where does nutrition sort of sit as far as the priority goes versus weight gain and, and obviously you know you're in you're in good nick either way whether you're light or whether you're heavy um where where's nutrition sit for you as far as your health and and performance um so i guess first and foremost for me it's a it's a hobby like i, I just really enjoy learning about it and all the all the little hacks that you can do so i'm just going to chop a final if the audio plays up um for me it's a it's a hobby um i just love learning all about um, food and what it does to the body and how it can enhance the body. I was a, I sort of only started dabbling in it when I moved to France. So I moved to France in 2011, and uh, Mark Kerala was our was actually was playing with the Roosters before he came over with us and um, in, into Toulouse, into our Toulouse team in France. And he started teaching me just a little bit, like little bits and pieces about uh, food and look, I lived at home till I was 22 and mum would always cook for me. So I'd, when I first moved to France, I had to learn how to cook. And then I, because I had so much free time, I was just, a, I was only playing footy over there. I didn't have to work. Um, I was just a pro footy player. So I used my time. I, it was weird. I, I just, I, there was an old app called StumbleUpon and what it did was it, it just took you to random pages across the internet. And somehow I started to, I would spend six hours of time in between sort of training or late at night um, and just found a few little things, I guess, either, I don't know if it was polypin first, but it all just happened at the same time. Like two or three of us just started, oh, the, the boys there started teaching me about food um, and I started learning about it. And I was like, oh, hang on, I've approached this whole thing from the wrong angle. Like I used to just eat like 20 wheat bix at lunch, um, like, like just zero sort of nutritional content to my food. And then because I was, I was training and I, I started reading about things that like in terms of enhancement of, of body stuff. So it all just tied into to sort of helping make me be better. So the, for, I, I'm a person who loves hacks. Like if you can, like I know Ben touched on it the other day in terms of shortening your runway. Uh, 
I, I saw applications of it and just, just basically tempered it and, I don't know, not, not feed it out, but just try to apply it. And it, well, I feel it definitely helped. Um, look, I was probably predispositioned to it. My father's Fijian, mum's very sort of lean um, Anglo Australian lady as well. So genetically, I was probably already going to be pretty lean to start with. Um, but I like all the little sort of um, endocrinology sort of area that gets affected by it all as well. So I probably don't get enough sleep, but um, um, I'm rambling here. But I, I love nutrition. It's just a hobby for me. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I guess with your, your nutrition and leading into, you know, your lack of maybe your sleep isn't as strong. Tell us a little bit about like a day in the life. Uh, of Alani, like even through your your footy career, the back end of your footy career, um, your father, you got four kids, uh, you're chasing the dream in, in many different aspects over a long period of time. Like, what, what does a day look like for you? All right, um, I'll give you some context first, I guess. So, dad come from Fiji with about 60 bucks in his pocket. My boy used to work in sugarcane fields in Fiji, work with his hands his whole life. His body's pretty buckled now, he just had a double knee reco. So I'm actually keen to get him onto some, uh, some knee ability stuff. So um, I just got to twist his arm a few more times. Um, look, my, my dad's just a worker. Mum's a worker. They were both shift workers. I very rarely <laughs> even saw me old man. Um, it was always fun whenever he was around. But um, look, they were working. Both of them were workers. Mum's a nurse. Dad works as a security guard. Used to work as a chef. So just odd hours. They were ships in the night. Just So look, from the start, work was... What we were, what we saw, what when you grew up, you you just work. So, um, my mum and dad split when I was eight, so I sort of my mum still worked, so I had to take over, I guess the the man of the house role, and and uh, like I would make brother and sister food and stuff from a young age. So we'd um man cart us all off to school of the day. So work was just what I knew. So uh, in terms of footy. Um, when I started playing sort of pro footy, money was not really a, an, an option. Um, well, I was playing at the Tigers, which yeah, they weren't really paying their, their juniors much at the time or I wasn't on their radar in terms of a, a player to be paid, so I had to work. So at a young age, it sort of set the tone like, well, you work and then you play footy and find a job that works around footy. And in the end, that sort of helped me to get to it the level that I wanted to get to because I still have managed to make well, like you said, I've got a family at the time and had, uh, we only had two kids when I, when I was, um, when I first started with Roosters, but Mel was pregnant with Melly, our son. Um, so yeah, I still had to make it work. I, I wasn't offered a contract. I was only offered a sort of part-time, I think it was one day a week when I first started with Roosters. So I mean, we, we can touch on that stuff later, but look, the work aspect of it was, was always done to sort of, um, bring in the income and then any money made from footy was just a bonus on the side so I, I was at a point in my sort of career where I, was, I didn't really care about the money I just wanted the opportunity so and that yeah came again we can touch on it later but it's um, yeah the work was work was always what needed to be done to make an income mate. so it was yeah it was pretty, pretty much a 50-50 split work to uh, cater for the difference of not being able to make that much money from footy so I had to work um, but I made it work. So, yeah. Yeah, man, like following, you, following your story on Insta, you know you're one of the guys when it comes up on the on my thread there, I'm always like keen to see what's going on because you're, you're a guy that 
gets a lot done in a day with, with going to work, with hanging with your family, with training, with learning. Do you think that like that work ethic and that desire to, to um, support your family, to provide for them, um, obviously it's come from being passed down the genes, which, you know, I, I realised at my, my grandfather's funeral actually a couple of years ago when people were talking about his work ethic and what he did, like he was running a dairy farm at 14 on his own and then that passed down oh, to my, yeah. you know, my dad. My dad was, you know, a work a workhorse and he still works now. Like he, he maybe doesn't have to work as much as he does, but he still loves it. And it's kind of been passed down where it doesn't feel like, doesn't feel like work. It just feels like, hey, this is what I'm going to do today. Um, but linking that to, to sort of your footy career, and I've been around a lot of different NRL clubs and, you know, you played 20s at the Tigers there. And most, most clubs are telling young kids, hey, you're not going to make it. You know, yeah. only a few of you guys are going to make it. So you should start, you know, thinking about post-footy career, even before your footy career's properly started. Yeah. Where, where do you think, like, your, your ethic? Because you end up playing at the NRL at 28? 29? I was 28 years and I was, it was two months before my 29th birthday. I, I just got pipped again. I was, the, I was the oldest. Got pipped by my mate Darren Nichols uh, about a year and a half later and then got uh, one of the boys debut for power. I've, I've forgotten his name, sorry. Um, Andrew Davey. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Sorry, but yeah, he, the guy who debuted for power on the weekend, he he was, he was a, a, a couple of days older than me, uh, older than Desi. So, yeah, we're, we're just, we're breaking barriers, you know, so. <laughs> but the, um, but the, the ethic, how did the ethic get you there? Like, do you, did you feel like you're always going to get there because you had that work ethic already built into you from being the, you know, the man of the house kind of thing or? No, I don't think so. I just, I had, I know some people can take this as like a, a bad thing, like a, a toxic way to be, but I just love trying to like disprove people. I, I, look, the way I like to approach it now is I try to prove myself right, but really I know deep down that I was trying to prove people wrong. Uh, Tigers, James Shepard was my um, was my coach. He suggested to me as, oh, look, mate, not everyone can play in the NRL. Why don't you um, do what one of the other boys did and move over to, to move overseas or, or just use footy as a, an opportunity to see the world? So I said, okay, well, Let's put that in the in the memory bank somewhere, and we'll we'll recall and use it if we ever need to. Um, so there's another person. Look, I, I get along really well with Shep. I did message him so sort of after I played, you know, and said thanks for your help, mate. Um, uh, I had another coach. Um, I don't know why this. Some look, mate, coaching's weird. Like I've had coaches where. Um, all right, they shouldn't give me a run, but they do, and then I perform really well for them make X, Y, and Z team of the year or whatever and other coaches who I wish gave me a run but didn't and then they were the ones that ended up, I don't know, having that, I don't know, I just wanted to prove them wrong because they didn't believe enough in me. But look, whatever way you got to feel the way you do that. For me, that was that was, that was my way. I had to prove someone wrong. Um, I've got myself lost in my 40. Where were we at? Um, Did you? Yeah, when you, when you went to France, when you went to France and took that, that decision to go over there and were you going with yeah. the intent to come back bigger and better as a as a player, or were you using that more as a life experience? And uh, first uh, life experience. So 
I've been in the Tigers for six years. I trained with NRL once by pretty much by accident. They were, they were short and needed someone to fill in. So I was like, well, this is not going to work out for me here. Um, uh, one of the managers at the time said, oh, does anyone want to go to, uh, go to France and play there? And the full man straight up said, yep, I'm keen, get me over there. So um, we was over there and I think it was about three months in, Robbo was up from uh, Catalans. Um, funny, but when you're overseas, you sort of, your ear tunes into hearing Aussie accent. And I didn't know who Robbo was at the time. Uh, John O'Four is my brother-in-law and said, oh, that's that's Trent Robinson. He was our coach at, um, at, at, at Newey um, and said he's a pretty good dude. So I just went over and said, hey, nice to meet you. And I'm um, the old, no, I was almost 10 years old, no, six or seven years later, Gave him my shot. So, look, I, I had, in terms of whether I was going to use it to sort of take the, the next step, but I just went over thinking, look, I gave footy my best possible crack. Though my last year at Tigers, I wasn't even getting a run. I was older than I was 24. Um, not, I wasn't getting a run at all. I'd be stuck on the bench all game. He wouldn't even play me. My coach, Paul Fletcher at the time, wouldn't, wouldn't play me. Wouldn't give me a reason as to why he wouldn't play me. Come round... I think it was June, June twenty in twenty eleven. Um, actually, twenty ten. I wasn't even given another another contract. I had to like pretty much beg them to stay there. I did take a pay cut of whatever minimal money they pay me. I think they pay me like five grand or something. It cost me money to play footy in like this the, the grade below the top grade in Australia. So there's a bit of microcosm into how professional sport sort of yeah, sits in terms of earnings. Um, so for me, money wasn't really the thing. Like I, I don't know money playing footy anyway. Um, I just wanted an opportunity. So I wasn't getting a run at Tigers. I, I tried to, to leave and go down and play in Dapto. They were going to play. They were going to pay me like like tr- triple what I'd been paid for the year for like seven games down at Dapto. So I'm like, oh, okay. At least I get to play some footy. The day I tried to leave, they said, um, oh, yeah, no, actually, no. We just had half our half our boys leave, so you're not allowed to go. Uh, we're, we're not going to clear to go and play there. Um, but look, I'll, I'll get you on the bench this week and play this week. Fortunately for me, I played pretty well. I ended up starting for the back end of the year. Um, should have gone off on a tangent again. Um, but yeah, oh yeah. So um, when the opportunity came to go overseas, I was like, look, I've given it my absolute all. It got me pretty, like, not nowhere, but it didn't get me as far as I would have liked. But I, I tried, like, I tried my absolute hardest. I tried to even get out and go elsewhere for another opportunity because I knew I just, I just needed a crack somewhere. Um, actually, it was Dave Gower who, who suggested to me to come down adapter. He just moved to Dragons at the time. He said, look, mate, they paid pretty good money and there's an opportunity to go through the Dragon system. I said, oh, look, it's probably better than what I'm getting here. I, was, I had to go and play park football with, like, my, one of my, closest mates growing up because I wasn't even getting run. We didn't have a, a, an alternate team. So I just went and played, ended up playing with just some schoolmates on the weekend to try and get a run. So I still had that determination and fire in me to, to play. But when I went overseas, I, I, don't, I don't think I was like approaching it from the point of view of progressing and doing anything better. It probably changed during a conversation though with Nathan Ross. It was weird. Like we, when we often reflect on it, we, the two of us were sitting, we both flew over together. I met him at the airport. I didn't even know who he was. We changed. Him. He thought I was like a like a like a like a like a pure fresh Fijian. When I the first email I sent to him said, "Mate," I just said, and he, he always like 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 quotes me. He goes, "Mate, when the first email you ever sent me was 
do you have a, a PlayStation and a laptop? Because I, I was asking him if he's going to take them over, but he thought I was asking him to try and take them off him or something. Anyway, <laughs> he thought I was this big, like, like freshy from Fiji. Uh, when we met, he, he, we, we got along like a house on fire, mate. So we flew over to Toulouse together. Um, uh, when our, uh, our partners both came over, this was at the back end of our skin of that first year. And I remember me and Rossi were just sitting on the on the floor. Nathan, uh, Mel and Nakia were sitting in the other part of the room and me and Nathan looking outside like, man, how cool would it be to one day go back and play in the NRL? We sort of just said it as a throwaway. Nathan, when he says things, they're usually pretty genuine. I said, oh, yeah, it'd be pretty cool. Guys, I still had the dream there. Um, I didn't know what the path looked like, but um, I guess that, that was the start of the whole sort of, I guess, progression of heading that down that path. So... Yeah. yeah, that was the longest end-winded answer, but I hope I sort of, yeah. Yeah, man, well, it shows, <laughs> like, the the persistence had to keep going, but I guess turning up at the airport and spending 24 hours with Rossi on a plane, that would have been, uh, that would have been an experience in itself. Um, he's yeah, a full energy, uh, full energy guy, and, and maybe the guy that you needed to, um, to have around you to keep that fire going or keep that, um, you know, that, that real desire to chase a dream because Rossi always, you know, I only met Rossi in 2014, 15, 2015. Yeah. And, man, that guy still thought, still knew, he knew he was going to make it to the NRL. Yeah. Even though yeah. no one else did, he knew. Yeah, yeah. He's a very, definitely a very infectious character, you know. He, his energy levels are up there and he's always uplifting. Like, even, even at his worst state, he's very uplifting. So maybe it was, maybe it was meant to be. We had to, I don't know, had to meet that way. Um, loves his jujitsu. Choked me out. Like I, we we had this muck around wrestle day, and he choked me out. I don't know. He just brings so much energy. Hey, um, I love him. And yeah, maybe it was that. It was probably one of those chance encounters. I just read the Alchemist, so was, yeah, probably one of those one of those encounters, mate. So yeah, yeah. Well, he maybe you know finding each other and helping along the path. Like if you guys reflected on that, you both made the NRL back into your twenties, like. That, that that's a pretty cool thing. Like, it doesn't matter what happens to get there. Like, making that achievement at, and showing that persistence and that desire and that fire, to me, that shows a lot more than, you know, some guys that get their chance at 18 or 20 or whatever and they play 200 games. Like, they actually, some of those guys never had to overcome many obstacles where I feel like for you guys that just kept chasing it, that you're actually learning a lot of life lessons along the way that's going to set you up for success, you know, till you're, till you're an old but, fella, not, not just a sportsman, you know. Like you got more yeah. – do you think maybe you got more, like, more strings to the bow or, like, you, you're not defined? You're not defined by your football career? You know how a lot of young guys, they, they really don't know what else they are as a person other than yeah. an athlete, you know. So do you think that pro – you know, that – that process and that journey has set you up for the for the next phase too. I like to think so. I don't. I still. It's weird. Like to be honest, I didn't spend that much time in the NRL sort of like environment. I guess you could call it across my sort of total span of a footy sort of life. Um, it's great being there, um, but it's hard. I find it. I, I still find it hard that like I drove past Moor Park yesterday just. I want to see if the boys are out in the field. I was I was heading down to get some some new shoes and um, go to the, go for a swim at Bondi. So that I'll just drop in, and see if the boys are training, and just like all the little sort of 
emotions and memories and stuff sort of flood back in again. Um, it's cool, but I feel I'm pretty lucky that I, I did have the path that I have because I think a lot of boys are going to struggle when they are done. Like the examples that you said, like that start at 18 and when they get to sort of 30 and their body's broken down and they haven't exercised their mind enough, they're not going to be able to, I don't know, they're just going to come up with some sort of tough scenarios and situations that I don't know that they've prepared for yet. So definitely being exposed to that sort of stuff has helped me. Um, I still get affected by the, like, not being in that pretty world, but, look, I'm hardy enough and resilient enough to rely on the other skill set that I've managed to sort of grow um, within that time period too and before that time period. So um, to answer your question, I guess, yes. Um, it's not anything that I really think about. I guess I have the skill set there that I can just fall on. If I need to find work, okay, I can find work. I know how to sort of um, network and, and I can drum up a job for myself if I need that. So now it's just honing that and finding what I really, really sort of want and, and head down that path. So it's it's a cool learning experience in itself and you've you got to go through it to sort of know how to do it. So yes, I can fall back on that, I guess, to answer your question. Um, yeah. <laughs> Before before we move on to the like the next phase, like finishing off the lessons learned from the sort of career in in footy as a as a player, before we get onto the the coaching and then the next the next chapters, you know how how did you find out that you were playing and sort of that first game and and how did you how did you feel when that you know when that news was broken to you? Yeah. Um, all right. Where was I? Uh, round I think just after round one Craig Fitzgibbon said to me he goes oh mate look you're getting really close to it it was weird like so my whole time at Roosters I was never really I talked to Rob a lot but I never sort of I, ne- I didn't want to ask too much because I didn't want to um, I don't know put my foot in any possible chance so I was like do enough and learn enough to hopefully get your shot um, I didn't even put a, like a date on I just thought, okay, just work as hard as you possibly can again come from the, the working background and, um, and hope that it comes, I guess. So it's probably not the greatest way to go about it, but I just thought, look, I'm just going to work. Like, I'm a worker, so I'll just work. <laughs> the only thing that kept me there, I'm pretty sure, was because I'd done so much running with work for the, the, the year prior to that, so many Ks on the road, I was shit at wrestle. My first day at wrestle, I got thrown out the window by Boy, almost thrown out the window by Boydo. Um, they literally just destroyed me. And I even said to Fitzy at the end of my first wrestling session, I said, mate, what's going on? I'm just as strong as all these bikes I knew from the numbers in the gym. But I couldn't, I had, I, um, I just kept getting dominated by absolutely everybody. He goes, mate, relax. He goes, you're forgetting that these guys have done eight years of this. He goes, this is your, literally your day one. So he goes, like, don't beat yourself up too much. Just learn, learn quick and, and adapt. So, um, Keep losing my big train of thought. So I've been up since three o'clock this morning, mate. But um, I'll try and keep you on track as best I can. I've digressed again. Um, just trying to, trying to lay a bit of context around it all. Yeah, man. Um, no, that's cool. you. Um, came about. Oh yeah. So Fitzy said, "Mate, look, you're you're a chance of playing." But the whole time of my my time, I went there day one of preseason, not knowing what I was at, what days I was going to be there, just with. Robo said, oh, mate, look, just come in uh, every Thursday, I guess. Like, it wasn't ever really like, you will be here this day, this time, for this many hours. It was just like, eh, I don't know. Like, 
if it works, like you come in there. It's pretty much like if you can come in every Thursday, come in every Thursday. After week one, I was looking at my our sort of roster for the for the week and comparing it to my work week. And I rang Rip Taylor, my coach, and I said, Rip, I can make most of these sessions. Like, can I can I make this work? Um, he's like, mate, look, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't just jump like jump the gun yet. Wait till your your day comes up and then ask Robo in person, face to face. I said, All right, sweet. Um, uh, so look, Robo was nice enough to sort of let me juggle the two, working full time. Um, and training when I could. I was lucky I'd finish work at 9.30. I'd drive straight to training after having run 8Ks or, and lifting X and like 1,000 bins or whatever it is at work. I'd, I, was, like, I was so pumped and keen to go and train with like, any first grade, let, let alone, alone Rishti. I literally, I'd park my car from, like, jump straight in my car after the run, drive to training, jump out of my car, strip off my work kit, chuck on my training kit, boots on, run across the car park straight into the field, and Robert would just say to me, he goes, like, are you sweet to go? I was like, I'll do like one lap with my own mobility and just jump straight in. And if it was conditioning, look, where, where I was going with this was, I didn't really know what I was at, but I thought, look, if I get given the opportunity, I'm going to take it with both hands. I was shit at wrestle. My uh, defensive level of ability was still poor comparative to everyone else in the squad. Um, skill was terrible compared to everyone else. Um, but I could run. I was fit, so um, I just said to myself, "Every like you, you can't win anything, but you can probably win fitness." So I just went and ran and won every single bit of fitness that I possibly could. I get beaten speed, but I was, I was like, "Just try, just try your absolute hardest to to, to win what you can win." Um, and off the back of that, so a couple of other wild boys got given opportunity the year before, and they got up until Christmas and were told, "Look, not required." Head back to Wang, and if we need you, we'll call you. Or don't call us, we'll call you. Um, <laughs> so I said, look, get to Christmas and reassess. So got to Christmas. I was waiting for the tap on the shoulder at the Christmas party. I was like, well, oh, this has been pretty fun. Never came. Like, at the end of the night came, no phone call, no text, no tap on the shoulder. Like, mm, okay, we'll just lob up day one, pre-season. Uh, oh, sorry, in-season, season starting. Did so and still wasn't told to go anywhere else. Got to like the presentation to all the members and stuff and was still there. Like, I hadn't really, I still wasn't told like, mate, yeah, I'm not going to need you or anything. You know, just for round one, Fitzy's like, mate, you're going really, really well. You're, you're, you're a fair chance to be playing footy soon. I'm like, oh, all right, we're, we're on in. Um, possibly, I said, look, like, just keep working, work hard, work hard. Round one, um, played really well. Um, round two, got asked to come up to 18th man. Round three, 18th man again, didn't play, but went to Townsville. And unfortunately, Ian Henderson broke his leg. He snapped his leg real bad, compound fractured it. Um, and the week before, I'd sort of been jumped by one of the other boys to, to play. So I, didn't, I thought, oh, okay, well, if he's going to use me, maybe he will. Probably not again. I'll just do my job. Went back home, went to work. Um, came in on the Tuesday um, after work, I'd, I'd finished work late, so I missed the wrestle session, but I got to the field session. And the boys were just like real, like, I don't know, it was just being like real, like just childish and like just mucking around and like gigging me and like elbowing, like just, they were, they were onto what was going on. But because you know, you know what Robert's like, Robert's like, he likes to like present, like make it a sort of a, a, a real genuine moment, but he'll often tell everybody else before he does, or he'll do it one or two ways. He'll tell everyone that he hasn't told them yet and then like so they can all be in on it and, and celebrate it with them 
Hello. Sorry, my daughter just came. Hello. Um, and so he must have told her the boy that morning in the, in the team meeting that because um, he had to announce the team that leaked. And um, I didn't know, but everyone else knew. So they were all like, and he, he would have told him, look, I'm, I'm not going to, I won't, I haven't told him yet, so just keep it to yourself. So I went to, we had, we had, um, oh, sorry, no, I didn't miss wrestle. We had wrestle that afternoon. Um, we went to the gym and Robbo didn't really always come to wrestle, but when he did, it was always like, oh, you put it in there because you are used to the coach. When the coach isn't there, it's a bit, it's a, like the pressure's just eased off just a little. But when, it, when he was there, it was like, oh, shoot, like, dial in, don't miss a beat, make sure you get everything right. And this session was probably the, rest I'd, the best I'd ever wrestled in my life. And he just kept hanging around, hanging around. I was like, what? Why didn't he just leave? I feel pressured enough as it is. You know, it's like when your dad's watching you, you're like, oh, I've got to perform for my dad. That, that, type of, that type of feel, that type of pressure. Anyway, and in the session, I was like completely spent. I'd been up since four o'clock that morning and worked and trained and trained and trained. Um, CY Kane and I were all sitting down and just running our mouths and talking smack about each other. And Robert said, oh, Lonnie, can I talk to you for a minute? I was like, oh, yeah, sweet. He's like, no, come over here. So he took me aside and sat me down in, in Larry's gym in um, Favot Street up there. Um, and uh, said, oh, mate, um, are you ready? I was like, ready for what? He's like, I'm going to play I'm, I'm gonna play this week. He goes, um, yeah. I don't, I don't remember his exact words because I was like pretty emotional at the time. And when he said, I was like, I was like this is like a, a big hook shot, like a, I did not. I did not foresee. I did not expect it at all. Um, I, was, I, I said, yeah, mate, I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> I waited long enough." And, uh, in my, in my, I just said, "My, look, I was, I was sure." But then I said, "Yeah, mate, I'm ready. I'm, I'm keen." And that, that was it. I, I left it at that. And inside, I was like, oh, "This is like howling mess, mate." Like, I went to my car, um, rang Mel, and like, oh, like, sorry. As soon as I went to my car, I just started crying. I lost it. Like, it's cool. Like it still gets me real emotional now because it's such a I don't know. Like, I know it's been told so many times before, but it's still like just a cool thing for me. Like I I tried so hard for so long to try and get that, and it was cool that I had to travel around the whole way around the other side of the world to meet the guy that would eventually go on to give me the opportunity. So yeah, I rang my I rang Mel first, told her. Um, she was just like pumped as for me. I rang my mum. Um, she was pumped as. Um, I rang my old man. So my old man's a, a massive Swans fan. I said, Dad, what are you doing on Saturday? He's like, oh, I'm going to the Swans game. <laughs> no. I was like, Dad, you're going to have to come to my footy. I said, I'm playing for Roosters. And he's like, oh. Because he's like the biggest, like, he works at the entertainment court where Roosters are based out of. And he's, the Swans are based out of there as well. So he's real good mates with when Goodsy was there and, like the CEO of the Swans, like they all just love my old man. So he's like, yeah. best mate. when the Swans are on, it's like it's game day. Like it's his, he lives and breathes the Swans. And he's like, oh. he's like, my dad's, a, my dad's still a bit of a freshie too. So it's like a bit hard to really understand what um, what he's saying, how he's delivering it or saying. It. And like I, I can't remember if, exactly if he had to like go and run it by someone or like, <laughs> on it, but I was like, Dad, like, come on, man, like. Like this is the this is what we sort of work towards for so for so long as a kid. And the cool thing about my old man, like he was always a good sort of perspective, like sort of realigner for me. 
He said to me, when I would have been know, 22, just not really getting much of a run, playing as Verbe, he's like, look, are you having fun? I was like, uh, I had to think about it. Like, I said yes, because like, you just usually say yes when you say, and someone asks you that. But I, I genuinely wasn't. And that was sort of a big, for me, that ended up being one of the big like, sort of changes for me. Like As soon as I got down and like dumps about it, like, my performance went down. And then I was like, I had to, like, the, at the top of every tip sheet I ever wrote, myself was <laughs> have fun like just go and have fun trying to wreck as many people as you possibly can because that's the way you sort of perform your best so yeah the debut was was really cool I got to de- debut um, on Allianz against Manly in round four in 2016 um, and people try and say to me like, oh, what's it like it's like I mean I know you've probably heard it a million times before but it's literally like I was in a dream uh, like just watching myself above myself. Um, like my first tackle was on, I think George Tafua. Um, I think I don't know. Doesn't sound right to be making the tackle with Fergo, but they were coming out of their end, and um, yeah, it was just sur- it's completely surreal. It's like you're just watching yourself from outside of your own body, and um, super thankful and super grateful for yeah, everyone that helped me on the way. But it was um. Cool, and it's worth the it's worth the chase, no matter how long it takes. It's even if you get one, it's 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 all worth it for that. No, I guess touching on that, I wish I had have aimed for um, like what we. I know the the lesson that you helped with Baja, and that's what I try and teach other kids now. Get one, but aim for a hundred. That's my sort of yeah, where I'm at currently with it. So yeah, look, the whole experience was yeah, was the best ever, man. For me personally, everyone's different in the way that it. It comes about, but it was, yeah, just cool. It was subtle, um, but it was heartfelt and, I don't know, I mean, perfect, I guess. And for me, it was anyway. I wouldn't change it for anything. Yeah, well, it sounds like it was um, like it was a fun day because the boys were having fun with you because they knew what was going on. Um, and you're a fun guy. And it was I remember great to... Yeah, go. I remember Sean Kenny Dow. He just kept, like, like just elbowing me and, like, laughing at me, like, like, he's usually like that as a, as a guy, but uh, yeah. like more so than ever. Like, I don't know, I, I feel like they shared in the in that moment for me as well, which is, I don't know, I feel like if I was at Tigers and that would have happened, like, that's not the way that it would have panned out. Like, it, I don't know, I love Rooster, mate. Like, and it was really cool, like, the way that they sort of all held that back from me, knowing what, knowing that, I mean, they, they, they saw what I did. Like, I would, some, some days I'd finish training, after, like, some days I'd come in from work, get buckled at training and have like a monster session. Some days I park my car on the field so I could run straight off training and drive back to work so that I could make the, the morning's training session. They they knew what I what I would do. Like Jazza saved me one day. We had this big like um, women and sport breakfast for QBE. And it was the first time I'd ever done really any public speaking in the uh, it was Luke Rickardson and all these big companies, like these big insurance companies. And I met one of the ladies that responded and she's like, oh, I want you to come. Like, I was good at the table when I spoke to her, but she, um, she said, oh, I want you to come and present to all of our partners and whoever, just a, like, this massive breakfast in the like, convention center in Sydney. There would have been a couple of, a couple of hundred people there and Jazz just saved me by um, just explaining like what my, what my day was like. Cause they, I mean, they, they saw it firsthand. They see me like sort of drag myself in sometimes and then drag myself out and you know, I went back in the in the work kit. So I was, it was cool to share that with them. Yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah, I, that's, 
That's that's yeah. awesome, man. It's like it's a great great story, and I'm glad you you gave all the context around it and sharing it with the boys. And it's a it's a great club. Like I was fortunate enough to spend a couple of years there. Um, and obviously things, you know, things change over time and there's always different people um, that go into making a club great. But, you know, what? there are some absolutely amazing people in that club um, behind the scenes as well as, you know, front and centre uh, in the media. Like what, what do you put it down to? Like why is that such a good club? Why do you feel like you're, you're part of something big there? Like outside of the football maybe? Like why, what is it that makes it such a, a good place to be part of? <laughs> um, oh, there's so many like cliche things that the boys always throw. I mean, you got, you got, I guess the best thing to do is you got compare. Oh, no, it's probably not the best one. But, um, you got Uncle Nick to start with. I guess you get you start from the top and filter your way down. There's a lot of things, a lot of people behind the scenes that no one that no one sees, but they're they're the glue that binds the whole thing together. I find the comparative. The only other club I was at was um was Wang, which is a really strong club too, um, which they, they seemed like they had their, their shit sorted. Um, Tigers was the other club that I was at and comparing the two because that's all I can can do is like, it just didn't seem as though they had the that glue that bound everything together as well that as what Roosters did. So that culture is always there, started from the top and then filtered down. Um, I wouldn't say I ever saw that sort of firsthand in any example but you know it's there and you're when you go there you there is sort of a set a set of standards that you have to uphold to and um i think robo being the way that he is i wasn't there when anyone else was there so i don't know but um robo being the sort of the way that he is sort of drives that immensely as well and doesn't stand for shit and if your shit's not good enough he'll tell you and yeah, you get sort of filtered into the area that you fall into, and it's your your job to either fight your way back up or or um or find a way to contribute in one one way, shape, or the other. So yeah, um, culture is very very strong at that place. Um, yeah, and it just it shows not all levels. I think um, twenty seventeen, our, our Wild side, we made oh, when Wild came on board at. Um, at Roosters, we were we got the wooden spoon in 2013, 2014. I think we were lucky enough to finish sixth with no NRL side. So um, 2015, we made the grand final and probably should have won, but we lost to. Uh, was that your side? No. Was, no, it was 2014. We, we had a couple of good hard battles. Yeah, right, right, right. I was, I was pretty buckled that year. I had a pretty big year. I um. Yeah, I don't remember it much. I I played in the World Cup. I played a season in France and finished the season in Oz. Um, but yeah, sorry, our, our one side, twenty seventeen, we made the grand final as well. Um, lost that to the Fijian All Star team of Penrith Panthers with Mike Casio and Bill Kikau. <laughs> plenty of strong strong players in there that were all going to. They're pretty much on the current NRL side of Penrith now. So look, we we had a strong. Um, we had a strong sort of base at one to start with, and then when Roosters came on board, the the culture they have sort of ingrained to us through our association with them, and it just sort of upped our sort of level. We, I know at one we were always a force to be sort of recommended. Everyone hated coming up to play us, and we just had that sort of powerful, strong culture of Roosters ingrained in us too. So it, 
yeah, look at, yeah, being in those environments helps you and promotes you. And yes, I don't like it's cool being in them because you, you try to figure out how to replicate it in other facets of your life. Or would love to see other places like so. Look, I'm a Tigers junior through and through, and I would love to see them succeed, but I just don't see it happening. That, look, a, a diehard at work told me that. Look, oh, no, we're on the up, we're on the upward trend. I'd love to see it. I just I need to see years of consistency to to say that that is what's happening. Look, I'm, look, I'm a massive Tigers fan at heart, but I just don't see it um, happening. So, yeah, yeah. The Roosters have had that. The Roosters have had that real um, leadership and consistency from right at the top, as you said there, and that's that's the underpinning of any organisation or team is who's right at the top and how are they how are they behaving. Maybe if we like, just touch on. Or well, we'll just reflect on, and it, this came up a lot in the coaches summit. Some of the different coaches we were talking to over the weekend, and I'm a big believer in this. And I always got taught, you know, growing up, that you never burn your bridges, and you always, you know, say hello to people. And I wasn't always good at that. Like I wasn't always good at sort of introducing myself to people because I didn't feel like, well, why would they want to talk to me, kind of thing. But had you have not gone and said hello to Robbo, you know, maybe things are different. Like, I think there's a massive lesson in that, that, you know, John, I mentioned that's Trent Robinson. You go and say hello, not thinking anything's going to come of it, but maybe yep. down the track he could have chosen someone else, but he, he had a little connection with you because, you know, you reached out. Even though you weren't reaching out for a job, you're just saying hello and, and being a good person. Um, yep. I think that's a, that's a huge thing that we can all you know, remind it to us all about build connections and you never know where that could lead, hey? Exactly right, mate. Um, the cool thing about going to France was I saw every time, <laughs> we, sometimes we'd have like a pre, pre-session meeting um, and one of the older uh, older boys, um, sort of the, the sort of leadership group boys would come in would, and he, he's coming from work, so understandable why he's late. Still dressed in his, his his work kit, like not not super very formal, um, and would literally like interrupt the session. Not not, it, but it was it was almost accepted. It's like okay, let him come in, introduce. Uh, sorry, handshake. French custom handshake. Look in the eye when you when you meet with the boys. Um, whereas Australia, like formal, yeah, and you know, oh, hey, man, oh, yeah. No, that's not that's not right. Like you have to literally go up, eye to eye, like handshake. Uh, best friends like will kiss, like they will kiss each other, um, and that was a rule that Robo sort of enforced at Roosters too. When you when you first see someone for the first time of the day, um, you go and shake the hand. It's um, how do I not have done that with Robo? Yeah, who knows? Like the whole thing probably falls apart. The whole story sort of falls apart. But uh, it's massive. Like it's, and I try and replicate it now. Like I always. When I'm coaching, I'll go and like individually shake every person's hand, um, do the looking. I don't know it's just it's a, it's a it's a higher level of connection. I think the good thing is if you're exposed to it from that moment, like um, like you said, in terms of networking, it's great. But it's the 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 bigger plus side to it is the the more genuine connection that you have. So like it's a like lock on eyes. Full on handshake and like you, you, the two of you are fully connected at that moment, and that's more powerful than. We're lucky in a sense in Australia that our, our greetings are sort of 
semi-informal, I, I find there's like, not, I, wouldn't, I don't want to say, throw the word love in there, but it's like a lacking love, I guess, or can, like or genuine connection. Whereas, because I, I, I saw that in France, you can go and then apply that in a way that, in, especially in terms of coaching, you can sort of, look, I'm invested enough to, to go out of my way to just, just to say hello to you and let you know that I'm um, aware of you. Um, so if I'm just in, that, just in our greeting, then on top of that, whatever else interests of area that you need sort of help with or for me to better my job, if I can start it well, then it'll carry on to other areas. So, yeah, sorry, I'll ramble again. So, yeah, that's the segue into like the next part here, like to uh, the back end of our chat here about transitioning from your, you know, your passion and your love was to work. To work and to chase the footy dream. Now you're transitioning to, to doing some coaching at Mounties, doing your own PT work, like building your own um, coaching career now to to support the next passion and next next uh, next purpose. You know, so yeah. Where are we at with that? And what's like, what what are you gonna what are you gonna pass on? Like, what's the biggest couple of lessons maybe that you can do you want to pass on to your, your next you know, your young footy players that you're working with? Yep. Um, I think probably the interaction that I had with you was the, the, one of the best parts. And I, I wish I had a sort of had the interaction, I don't know, years earlier. It probably would have helped me forge, I don't know, a better path than what I did. Um, and that was just, yeah, don't set your goals too low or be prepared for the goal after the goal. Like that's... That's my biggest regret, I guess. I, I put so much effort and emphasis into playing just one NRL game that when I got that, the wheels, sorry, the wheels didn't literally fall off, but I, I put so much energy and emphasis into it that when the opportunity came to get number two, I just didn't have the, it wasn't drive, it was just I was burnt out. I feel like I was burnt out by how much I invested in it. And all, all I'd done was just, the, the goal was tick this box without the, the real goal of going on. So now, like I, I literally stole your, pretty much your quote to me directly. Um, now any young kids are how I try and build a park. So let's get to this. Um, then we'll aim to get to this with the, the end goal being this to have them set themselves up for be that, like that great, oops, sorry, lost you there. Um, yeah, the, the stepping stones like each look basically just take from my sort of I guess what I, what I look at uh, upon my own sort of path as, as a, a mistake or just a shortcoming in I didn't set the goal beyond the goal. Um, so yeah, um, like a lot of like, the main footy player that I work at the moment, he's, he's, he wants to he wants to play in the NRL too. So yeah, I said look. Well, basically, just stole what you said. Hundred games. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a thing. I've been I've been working with some guys during this this COVID time, like some of my own players and and a few guys overseas and whatnot. And you know, the goal setting stuff is something that we're not very good at teaching young people. And you know, you in Australia particularly, we're taught to you know not aim too high and just be prepared not to be elite. You know where. You, you made a choice that you were going to keep going and keep chasing it for sure. And you, and you did. You managed to, it's an epic career. 
Um, you're not defined by how many NRL games you play. You're defined by the effort and the attitude and the, the mindset and the lessons you've learned. That's, that's the real definition um, and the, the identity that you've become. But I think a lot of guys miss out because they, they're not encouraged to aim for that, whatever it is, whether it's footy or life, any aspect, like I want to own my house or I want to be able to go on three holidays a year or whatever it is. We're not yep. encouraged to do that. And like I wasn't as a younger coach, probably great at doing that. Like I would want to teach guys how to play footy and think that they can get better, but I wasn't good at sort of instilling that belief that why can't you play 50 or 100 or 200 games? Like why not? Um, yeah, yeah. And when I, like when I sort of realised, but it, it had to come from me myself first. Like when I started to think differently, I was then be able to, to translate that to footy players and there's nothing more satisfying than getting somebody to shift their goal and chase, you know, just watch the process and watch them chase that. Whether they actually get the 100 games or not, doesn't matter. it doesn't even matter. Um, it's the yeah. intent and the effort towards going there, man. It's That's why I know. enjoyed it so much, the coaching stuff. I, I, to be honest, I didn't even really think about, um, well, I had thought about doing some PT stuff and footy coaching. I've, I've got notebooks here from basically just word for word of what things that Robbo said. I read the book, it's a great. Robbo's got a library at at, uh, at Roosters of his own personal collection. Um, I read his book. I read uh, Good to Great by um, Jim Collins. Jim Collins, that's right. But in it, it's got all Robbo's notes. <laughs> it's like pretty much what he what he says to us. Uh, out on the field at training, uh, yeah. he kept saying. Uh, after I'd read it, I was like, "That's from the book. That's exactly from <laughs> that book." Um, so little did I know, did I was at, um, little did I know, I was adding to my sort of own coaching skill set, like being in that environment. Um, yeah, like, sorry, what I was getting at was I didn't aim to get into sort of any sort of footy coaching, but just seeing the improve. Like for me, the best part is. Um, hello. <laughs> Sorry, one of my kids is out there. Um, just seeing that growth, mate. Like, like, you, like you just said, it doesn't matter if they do go on. Like, you, you hope that they all do go on to um, like fulfil their potential. But I don't know for me, it's just growth within that within that span. So that's the most rewarding part. Like uh, the one of the young boys I'm training at the moment, he, he just told he got caught up to the, the next level above for his rugby side at Joey's that he's at. So. Um, like that, that was cool. That was one of the goals that we set out. So even just to get to start training in that, like who knows where it's going to pan out. Um, yeah. But it's cool, like just seeing that growth and, and progression in people. It's um, it's that's the that's the best part. Like that's that's a million times better than any sort of monetary reward you get for that. So just knowing that you helped even a point oh oh one of a percent to send that person further down that path. That's that's the I love it, mate. It's um it's so rewarding. And, yeah, I just got asked by one of the boys that he used to play football with. He was the run Massey Cup side at, um, at Mounties uh, at the end of 2008 if I wanted to come and jump on board. And, um, he actually left last year and um, made on and we met the, the club at Mounties. So that was um, interesting to say the least because my day one at Wrestle um, for me at Roosters was I got thrown out the window by Boyd Corden. So. <laughs> um, to go on to like, trying to teach someone else how to not 
have that happen to them was was interesting to say the least. And I'm still learning a lot in that regard, but it's um it's cool seeing the application of it too. We we won round one, um, which was good. So I'm one from one in my um, coaching career at reserve grade now. So I don't know if that's a good cue to leave on. Hundred <laughs> percent success rate, but um, <laughs> look, I was I was lucky enough to be under um, be coached by Rip Taylor as well. So. So, like a lot of boys refer to Rip as a real old school type coach, but the the methods like the methods may seem old school, but the I guess the message is always it's always it's like the within the fabric of the game. Mate, in terms of his record too, he it's weird. Like he never really like specifically taught me anything, but just me, I guess, being around him. I made, I think, two or three team of the year as prop in reserve grade, went on to play in a role, and like, he literally didn't teach me a thing, but just, like, I guess, in a, around it did, like, he taught me so much more about it like, without even teaching. Like, it's, I, I, don't, I don't even know how to sort of describe that for what it is, but, yeah, I was, I was lucky to have good exposure to good coaches, and hopefully I can sort of channel some of what they did for me into others. So I'm loving the process and looking forward to where it sort of pans out and shapes in the future. Yeah, I think it's, it's great to, to realise that, you know, the greatest coaches, you know, which Trent Robinson, clearly one of the, the leading coaches in sport in Australia, you're learning off him, but he, he's learning off, off the successes and the research and the stuff of other people that have written books um, have led the way that nothing, you know, almost nothing is our own. It's all recycled or it's a, it's a tweaked yep. thought on somebody else's research or experiences that, you know, we can all learn how to do whatever it is that we want to learn to do. We've just yep. got to find the right mentors and, and you've, you've had that. The other part of, like, I know the family unit is a, is a really key part of, of your life. Maybe just talk about, like, I know, um, in my experiences with with my wife, like we've been together, we got married in 2014. We've moved from, you know, we moved the week before we got married. I had an opportunity to stay at the Warriors, go to Sydney to work or go to the Gold Coast. And the week before I decided, uh, let's go to the Gold Coast. So we, we, and we're getting married in Australia while we were living in New Zealand and then we we're moving to the Gold Coast. Like since then we've gone, to England, come back, go on to Newcastle, come to Brisbane. You know, that turbulence of, of the rugby league world or sporting world or just life in general, how important is it like to have somebody there, you know, your partner, your partnership, how does that, you know, support you or make you what you are as far, as far as chasing you chasing your dreams, you know? Like, it's hard to do it on your own. Yeah, it's so hard, mate. Especially like our situation too. We had... We had Two kids. I think we, we had our oldest. Uh, so Lolly, we had when we first moved to France. Our first, um, our first season over in France. So uh, massive, mate. The essentially just the backbone that holds everything together. Like I, I think I was getting four hours sleep a night. So she prep up all my all my food for me and stuff, and look after the kids, and <laughs> yeah, but told me when I had to be where and when and for how long. <laughs> She's just my, I don't know, she's the rock for me, mate. She, I, yeah, she just, <laughs> her, 
look, on top of the kids too, she's like a massive trooper, mate. She, I can't thank her enough for everything that she's ever done for me. Um, I probably don't thank her enough, to be honest, um, for how good she is and how much she provides for all of us. Like I said, she's just the glue that holds it all together, mate. The wheels would definitely fall off if I had to sort of take the reins of that. So, yeah. um, look, it's hard, like, I don't want to say she's my, my assistant, but she, like, just keeps everything sort of aligned and where it needs to be for me. So, <laughs> yeah. It's good in a way because it, it just takes pressure off my day as well. I can, I can do what I need to do and be there and present for that and just fall back on her for, uh, sorry, where was I supposed to be again and what time where, like, like your, your, your partner, mate, just super malleable too, like super flexible. I put her career on hold to come over and, and uh, live in France and, um, yeah, like sacrifice so much too, like in terms of time and her own time just to come and, you know, help me achieve what I sort of desired and had spent so much energy on trying to get. So no, I can't thank her enough, mate. What she does for me, more so for the kids too, like she, they've got a really, like, real beautiful, loving mum in, in Mel. Um, Mel's super sporty too. She was um, she was like a gun swimmer when she was a kid, like into all the sort of um, um, surf, life-saving sort of stuff. And so look, if you see my kids like doing the crazy stuff that they like that they or someone deem crazy, we just sit just having fun. That's <laughs> it's not just me, like Mel influences them just as much as I do. She's probably a bit smarter in the sense that she um like will stop them from doing anything that I would say, oh no, no, like let them go, let them go. Like she's a she's a smarter way in that regard because she's always like super concerned for their safety. So She's the, uh, the smart one, <laughs> a bit smarter than me, but look, we, we just want to see our kids grow into sort of happy and, I don't know, we think they, they could have some sort of athletic potential in them, so let's let them ride that if they want to do that, if they want to go down a creative path. Look, we, yeah, we're trying to raise little, little humans and give to them what we feel we, we didn't have from, not because our parents didn't want to, but I, I just feel like that education in terms of sport and creativity wasn't really as big a thing back then like that, that era of the 90s, like late 80s, early 90s. So we want to give them, and I feel what we have access to now is a, a, a broader array, arrangement of information. So we just want to grow little, strong and, and beautiful people. Yeah. Yeah, man. Maybe like to finish. Um, yeah, mate. Cool, man. To finish off with, man, we've um, we've seen you on some other athletic journeys in uh, the Ninja Warrior. We're going to see you on TV again very soon in the upcoming series. Tell us a, a little bit about how that came about, and maybe the the challenge of stepping outside your comfort zone and putting yourself in front of a TV audience. You know, like in something that you're not, you know, you you haven't been, you know, probably playing footy for twenty years, then straight into something alternate like um that's yep. that's pretty uh, pretty daunting and um you know very respect that you you've taken the plunge to really challenge yourself beyond where you've been before post footy um yep. so talk to us a bit about that to to finish us off yeah ninja warrior it's a bit of a it's weird like it's funny like i 
a lot of people come up to me in the street and say, oh, mate, I've followed your footy career and stuff and enjoy that. But it, it just exposed me, I guess, to a different array of sort of society. It's a, it's a really, really watch and love show by a lot of people. And it's on TV. You don't really see like footy is footy's on TV, a bit of other, a couple of other sports, but there's nothing really encouraging people to get out of their their lounges and their lounge rooms and get up and be active. So it's a it's cool, which ties in for me. I'm a super active person. Um, how it came about? Um, Paul Gallen and I. Paul Gallen entered in season, I think season two of Ninja Work. Bowie Ryan did season one. So they always had a couple of footy players in there. Uh, season three. They asked Gal to go again. Gal said no. Gal and I both have the same manager in Dave Riola, and Dave said to me, no, and then I just retired in the end of 2018, so I'm ninja work, would you be keen? Ding, all the lights in my head go off, mate. You said to yourself when you were six watching Vulcan on Gladiators that you would take that opportunity head on if it ever came up to you. So I said, mate, where do I have to be and when? I am 100% down to jump on Ninja Warrior. In terms of skill set, yes, I probably don't have the skill set, but I spent so much time on trampolines as a kid. Every set of monkey bars I ever went on, I was in the show gladiator. So I'd, somewhere along the way, I've done the reps. So I knew it was a, like a, a slight chance. Um, I actually think I, I performed much better than I sort of anticipated I would when I went on there in season one. In season two, I can't, oh, my season two, which is season four. I'm still not allowed to say anything yet because you have to watch the show to find out, which is this this Sunday. So yeah, it should be a fun three weeks. Very cool um, season this season. So just uh, jump aboard and have a watch. Um, yeah, mate. For me, I had to change my training up eh, to, to go in. I had about six weeks notice. Three of those weeks I sort of was in sort of um, in limbo. Like, I didn't know if I was on. I didn't know that I wasn't on. So I said, oh, I'll do a little bit of training. With three weeks out from the show, they said, um, "Yeah, all right, we're gonna we're gonna take you." So I was like, "All right, shit, I have not done anywhere near enough work here." So I just pumped through whatever I thought now, which is the complete wrong thing to do. Um, was the way to train was the way that I trained. Yeah, it it panned out not not being super great prep, but look, the experience was I wouldn't change it. Was it was outstanding. I probably would have not gone in the water, but um, yeah, if I had to have more at it again, um, yeah, but no, it's, it's great, mate, and yeah, it'll be on TV this Sunday, so tune in if you're uh, keen to see uh, a few big humans flying through the air. <laughs> man, um, we could we could chat for ages, man. You got an epic epic story, and um, you're a leader in the community. Uh, people are following what you do. Um, you're a great example for the kids. Uh, in your own house and those that you're coaching as well, man. So uh, credit to you and thanks for sharing your journey with us, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, mate. Thanks so much for having me.